Hi everyone and welcome to Sit Stay Download. I'm Janelle, a trainer with Jan Animals Dog Training, and I'm here with our casual canine advisor, Caitlin. A puppy. How old is Valkyrie right now again? How many weeks? Four and a half months. Four and a half I don't months. Know how many weeks that is? Okay. 18 weeks. 18 weeks. <laughs> okay. So I feel like things are starting to get really interesting with her at this point. Yeah. She has a better attention span. She is more interested in working. Like she understands what we're doing when we start a session now, whereas when she was really little, she would just kind of be like, why are you following me around? Like, just <laughs> whereas now she's like, oh, we're doing it. Okay, I sit, I sit, I lay down. I lay down, I shake a paw. Like she just <laughs> offers all these behaviors. Pretty fun. Yeah. And you're taking virtual obedience classes? Yeah, I had a, a an in-person one her puppy classes and now the virtual ones i'm taking they're creating videos to share and then we'll have a couple of individual zoom sessions with the trainer and i find that like because my friends are constantly saying like but you know the things they're going to teach you yep i do just like if i was a parent and had a child i know how school works because like i teach but it's not the same when it's yours like when it's your child or when it's your puppy, like it's helpful to have somebody else look at it from the outside. And of course, of course, yeah. that's why you send your kids to school, even though you're a teacher, not that you have kids, but yes. teachers generally send their kids to school. Exactly. So I, I want to get her into one um, as soon as COVID allows. I would like to get her into one where she can have distractions around because right now that's the big struggle is. She listens really well when you're in the house or in the backyard or on a walk that she normally goes on. But when she's in a new situation, she doesn't get a lot of those right now. She had a lot before things shut back down when she was younger. But Yeah, it's yeah. kind of an important time for that. But I know that you've mm -hmm. been finding other ways. It's just more work, way more difficult to do than to just yeah. be able to go to a class. But maybe one day we'll be back to normal. Maybe. Maybe. Here's hoping. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Regardless, yeah. she's doing really well. She's gotten to be excited when she sees people now, and she's excited when she sees other dogs, and she like knows what the exciting things in life are. So, And she's starting to figure out the cats. Yeah. Everybody's figuring each other out. The cats have realized if they just go up, that she will leave them alone, because she can't reach them. And she has realized that sometimes they don't want to be her best friend. It's just sometimes a sad realization, but it has to happen. <laughs> it does. And sometimes they play with her, and sometimes they have a weird dynamic, but all in all, they do pretty well together. Which is nice, because I get worried. Yeah, I know you do. You're always sending me videos like, what is happening here? Please explain this to me. And then I usually just end up laughing, because it's just hilarious. Whatever it is, is nothing, you know, it's nothing bad. It's always just funny. Uh, but it's so confusing i feel like part of my critter commotion should be the video that i sent you describing it but anyway onward. absolutely i think we should definitely there there needs to be a place where we can share some videos with our listeners which maybe we can just put them up on the gen animals facebook page 
because some of these like I some of these videos just need to be people need to see them I know I have a couple that I've talked (laughs) about on the podcast that I would love to share with the world oh uh, yep there are some pretty great ones and I don't know I think my pets are pretty fun (laughs) I guess everybody probably thinks that about their own pets well because that's because all pets are fun that is true just as a super aside, I've been rewatching all of the Marvel Marvel movies in chronological order. I shouldn't say rewatching because I haven't seen them all, but I'm watching all of them in chronological order. And so every time there's anything about Thor and Loki, I just kind of sort of am picturing your cats now. <laughs> it's just getting weird. Yeah, it's just every getting time weird. Up that I like, I'll be like, oh, Loki. And people will be like, like, oh, you definitely named him right if he's that frustrating. <laughs> or Thor is the stately looking cat. He's He does a lot more like posturing and posing, which I feel is very Thor as well. So. Absolutely. And at, like what keeps going through my head is, can you ever, really, ever, will you ever be able to trust Loki? Ever? Really? Ever? <laughs> really no. ever? Even if you think you might be able to? I don't know if you ever really will. Anyway, was... it's just funny. It's been funny. It's been fun. Okay, I'm sure you have critter like so much commotion going on in your house right now. I want to hear all about it. Okay, well, it's settled down a little bit. Like I said, it seems as though the puppy has moved into a new stage of of a little bit better behavior with the cats. Um, I know that will probably move backward again. In a couple months, but you know, that's okay. I'm happy with where things are at right now. Um, but there's this new thing happening. This is the video I was referring to earlier. <laughs> there's this new thing happening where Thor, one of my cats, loves to rub up against the dog when she's standing in various rooms in the house or when she's laying down, really. He'll just come up and he's not super affectionate. So I don't know where this comes from. And he will just rub and rub and rub against her and he purrs madly and she is so confused because the second she moves or touches him he gets so mad at her and so (laughs) she stands stiff as a board just looking so confused (laughs) and it's my favorite thing but it's also like he gets so mad when she does anything back and so it's also it feels really unfair for her but it's hard to stop it because it's so cute and you can't figure out what's going on through like through thor's head so there's that one. So like, what do you think Thor wants? What does Thor want to see as a response? I don't know. He does that sometimes, like, in the morning, but he doesn't generally seek a lot of affection. And so I, he purrs like that when he wants his breakfast. And he purrs like that once, like, a week when he wants pets. So I don't know if, like he wants Valkyrie to to be near him so that he can get pets from her on his own. Like he wants pets, but he doesn't want her to put her mouth on him. So he's like <laughs> I guess using he, you her know, like a rubbing stone. Like, I don't know. I guess yeah. the, the, um, the most obvious, I think the most obvious answer is just that he's a cat and things just need to be done on his terms. Right. So it's like, he wants to cuddle her. Or he wants to rub against her and give her some love, but she's not allowed to give it back because he didn't say so. Yeah, probably fair. <laughs> and how's the dog supposed to understand that? 
poor Valerie. <laughs> she does look so confused. And she's trying, you know, she's trying. She's she is out. trying. And Thor, like, Loki's a little bit gentler with his corrections. Thor is not. And so Thor <laughs> will lay it down clearly when he has had enough. Um, the other big one, so we've taken Valkyrie a couple times on, like, longer walks uh, on gravel roads. And we've had a couple of adventures there. And the two that I think are worth sharing are the other day um, we were walking along and she stopped following along with me and I was like, oh, that's odd. And so I kind of looked back and I said to my partner, I'm like, oh, she's really like, she's really into that stick. Like, I don't think it's just a stick. And my partner's like, nah, it's fine. It's just a stick. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And so I <laughs> started to go back to check and he's like, no, nah, I'm sure it's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, okay. So we kept walking and, and she caught up to us and I noticed the hoof at the end of the quote unquote stick. And I was like, that's a leg. It's 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 a big leg. So she picked up the leg of, I think a deer, which was really, really gross. And then we went on another walk and she was barking and her hackles were up and she kept bouncing backward, you know, and they like jump forward once and then back up twice, jump forward back up twice and i was like i don't know what she found but i'm pretty sure this one's alive and so i went to go check it out and she had found a garter snake oh. yeah she had not picked it up it was fine oh, good. and good. so i saved the garter snake she was too nervous about it so the garter snake was fine but that was our other ridiculous commotion where i pulled her away from that one too she oh, gave so the deer leg really well which is impressive and i mean yeah. i i have questions um so, well, first of all, this is not the first leg. A leg collector. <laughs> there was the bird leg. Yep. And the now the deer leg. And I was joking around with you about like what her escalations will be. And my next guess was a live eagle for some reason, but I feel like I was pretty close with the snake. <laughs> it was a live animal. It was a live animal. I'm so glad she didn't hurt it. I went on this little rant about like snakes are very fragile this time of year. And, to her? And they're just, yeah. I'm like, they're just garter snakes. And so like, they're fine and they're not going to hurt anybody. So we have to be very gentle with them. Yeah. I just feel like she's escalating. It's, it's going to get, you know, but I don't, know. Think she's gonna, I don't think she's ever going to hurt anything. I think she's just going to get bigger and bigger until she, I don't know, like I said, like drags like a bear into your yard. It's like, look, my friend. It is funny that as she grew bigger, the legs she's found have grown. Anyway, what's your critter commotion? Okay, so, well, it's been a hot minute since we recorded. So we've had a lot of critter commotion at the house here, mostly because one of my dogs had pretty major surgery on her elbow. Right. And it's just, it's too much to get into. But, I mean, she's wearing one of those giant e-collars, like the big ones. <laughs> And so, you know how that is, how they just kind of like walk around your house and they're completely oblivious to everything they're knocking over and how many toddlers they're knocking over and et cetera, et cetera, because they have this giant thing. And it's been on for weeks because she had quite a few stitches there. I know I sent you a picture. I said, hey, you want to see something gross? And then I sent you the picture without waiting for your response. Uh, my answer is always yes. I knew it would be. I knew. Yeah. That's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> fine. So... But so, yeah, like the main commotion story that I have 
was with my husband Carter and we are like obsessed with this. We have been laughing about it forever and he would be so mad if I didn't tell this story. Okay. So we were out for a drive down the highway and I was driving and like I think we all know the sort of standard farm dog experience, right? Like when you drive into a farmyard or past a farmyard, there's usually one or two farm dogs that they might bark at you or whatever, but once you get far enough away, they stop. You know what I'm talking about? And so that happened to us, kind of. We saw these two farm dogs on this really busy highway, but they were crossing the road. And one was brown, one was black. And I saw the brown one start crossing, and so I slowed down and saw the black one start crossing. And I ended up having to stop all the way because they didn't just cross the road. They kind of stopped in the middle of the road. So I was stopped full stop in Miller's Highway and the brown dog starts attacking my car, full on attacking my stopped car in the middle of the highway. And I just have a little Mazda 3. It's not a very big car, but this dog was so mad at my car. It was circling the front of the car. It was barking. It was lunging. And I did not know what to do because if I started going forward even a little bit, it did not move out of the way. It got even more angry and closer to my car. Like it was touching the front bumper of my car. It was having a battle. It was battling my car. Absolutely. Such a good word for it. And so, I mean, I would have just driven, you know, one mile an hour for however long I needed to, right? But we were on this busy highway, so there were all this, there's traffic behind me, there was oncoming traffic, <laughs> and either someone was going to hit me or someone was going to hit this dog. Right. But I was freaking out because now people from behind me were getting annoyed and they were passing me. So this dog is in front of my car barking, but it's also sort of weaving from side to side. And going into the other lane and then back in front of my car. And these cars are just passing me and like it's at normal speeds. They don't care. And so there was this moment, and Carter also felt this moment. I think we both just like really prepared ourselves to see a dog die. Oh, I would have panicked hard. Yeah. And my head was like, okay, this dog is going to die and I'm going to be here to witness it. Let's mentally prepare myself for this. So, like, what would you have done in that situation? Uh, I probably would have cried, mm-hmm. but if I didn't cry, I might have tried throwing something from my car window, mm-hmm. see if that would distract the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would have gotten out of the car because if a dog's attacking a car, like it's going to be willing to attack me too. Although it might realize I'm a human when I get out of the car and then be like, oh, humans, I know you. Um, mm-hmm. so- I definitely would have done everything you've done up to this point. I, it was just terrible. We did end up pulling over to the shoulder uh, for a little while and just kind of stopping, which made things kind of worse because then he was barking at my driver's side window and he was like right on the road. Right. So yeah, good idea. Carter realized we had pizza in the car. Nice. That we had brought as a snack and we sacrificed a piece of it. It was really funny. <laughs> he pulled the pepperoni pizza and opened his window. And he's like, okay, I'm going to throw it. Get ready. <laughs> we had to like do a countdown. And he's like, one, two, three. And he just chucked the pizza into the ditch. And I slammed on the gas and just got out of there as fast as possible. Because that was <laughs> the most uncomfortable situation I've ever been in. I never wanted to be in it again. It okay. was horrible. <laughs> so I have a question for you then. Yeah. So this dog attacked your car. Yeah. And you rewarded it with a slice uh-huh. of pizza. <laughs> we were desperate. Is it? Do you think that's going to think that when it attacks cars, food miraculously appears? <laughs> and 
That is the best critter commotion we have had so far. It wins. It takes the cake right now. All right. Should we talk some training? Yeah. Let's get down into it. We're talking about down this week, and it's something that I've really started to realize is incredibly important. Like, I know it was important, but now I really, really get it because sometimes Valkyrie's brain has turned off and she's having a really hard time focusing on anything. And a solid down command allows her to be able to kind of calm herself and put herself more in the relaxed state than if she didn't have that same connection to the word which allows her to behave in a way that helps her to calm herself down and behave more appropriately for the situation what would you say is what are some of the advantages of having a down command why do we need this why does every single obedience class teach down almost immediately well if you have a place that you need your dog to be at certain times so if you're cooking dinner or if you have guests over or somebody's coming through the front door and you want to have your dog in a state where they can kind of handle that having taught them a strong down means that you can also teach them to be laying in a certain place so that's really helpful um the other thing is oftentimes if we do things that we normally would do when we're feeling more relaxed that can help us to relax this is the same for lots of mammals so for humans if you smile when you're not feeling like smiling oftentimes the hormones that you feel when you're actually smiling still get released. And so your body can still feel some of the benefits of that smile. Or if you take a deep breath, it feels some of the benefits of the calm of the, the motions of the deep breath. So with the down, the dog is able to kind of emulate the, the feelings they might have if they were in a calmer state and actually moving themselves into a down on their own. Now, there are different kinds of downs. There are the, there's the down where they throw their hip out to the side and they're looking super relaxed. And then there's the down where they look as though if you moved a fraction of an inch, they would fly up. The second one is not relaxing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, having that allows for you to help them find the calm. And it's a way for them to relax in a specific spot that you need them to be in so they can stay safe. And a lot of dogs get tired of sitting. And just like people, laying down is more relaxing and allows for them to fall asleep and stuff like that. Absolutely. Especially if you plan to leave your dog in a specific position or spot for, you know, more than a minute or two, you know, down is definitely more comfortable for them. But it's also, I think, more reliable if you're doing stays. A down stay is a lot more reliable than a sit stay. Right? A dog is less likely to get out of a down than a sit. Not in all cases, but it is a little bit more work. I do feel like it is more reliable to ask them to to stay in a down. So the other thing that can sometimes happen with a down is people use that word for so many things. And it's really important that when you're using a word to communicate something very specific to your dog, that you only use like that word for one thing. If you use it for all kinds of different things, it becomes mucky and murky and the dog doesn't really know what you're asking for exactly. So um, if you're going to use down for laying down, which a lot of people do, then you can't generalize it to a whole bunch of different things. So if down means to put your belly on the floor, then down should not mean having all four paws on the floor and not jumping up. Down should not mean jumping off the couch. 
down should not be jumping off like the deck or the kitchen table or whatever it happens to be. Those should be a different word like off or off is the only one I could think of. Janelle, can you think of any other words people use? Off is what I use as a four on the floor command, right? So I don't think you really need anything other than that. So off is for when they're jumping or need to get off of a piece of furniture or whatnot. So definitely if you have a puppy that's jumpy right now or a dog that's jumpy and you're having to struggle with that, do not, when they're jumping, don't say down. Say off uh, so that they don't get confused. How do we do it? How do we get the dog to lay down? Okay, so there are lots of different ways to teach down, but yeah, we're gonna le- we're gonna use luring to uh, explain this version, which is the most common and easiest version to teach it down. And remember from previous episodes, luring is where you have a treat in your hand and you use that treat to sort of manipulate your dog and show them what you want to do. So let- let's go step by step on this. Step one is the same for almost everything. Begin by getting your dog's attention. Name recognition, okay? Say your dog's name, show them you have a treat in your hand, and then you're going to hold the treat in front of your dog's nose, um, but don't let them get the treat. That's super important, right? Yes. It's not luring if you just put a treat in their mouth. (laughs) That's called giving a treat. Yeah. So you're going to hold the treat in front of their nose, but do not release the treat. And you're going to slowly move the treat down towards the ground. And your dog will, dog's nose will hopefully just follow along. Still not releasing the treat. You're just luring them down. Then what do you do? Um, different dogs will have different responses to that. Some dogs will just follow you straight down with their head. Some dogs will go straight into the down. So if your dog is not initially going for the down position, then you can move the treat back kind of toward their chest and down. Then they have a tendency to follow backwards with their nose, and that allows them to kind of slide back so that their body's on the ground. And then when they're first learning this command, um, asking them to do that, sorry, luring them into that position, saying down once they're there, and then giving them the treat allows for them to see what it is you're asking for. But you wouldn't start saying down until they're almost in the position that you want them to be in so that they can learn the connection between those two things, the the motion of going into the down and being in the down and the word. Something that I, I practice a lot is when you are teaching a new command and they don't know what the word is yet, uh, don't even worry about saying the word for the first few times. Just get the dog to figure out what it is you want them to do, and then you can start adding that word in. So yeah, that's a, those are really good tips, um, kind of using the treat to push in a little bit to get your dog to back up. Um, and once your dog is fully laying down, which means that they have their elbows and hocks on the ground, right? Um, it can't be just like a half down. It can't be just a floating down. <laughs> um, and that yeah. is when you will use your marker. Okay, so like sit when their butt hits the ground, you mark with down um, as soon as as soon as they're all the way down touching the floor. That's when you use your marker, which, of course, is either a click or your marker word like good. Mm-hmm. And then you can give them the treat finally. Yeah. And then I like to pair the last little bit there, um, giving them the treat and then saying, OK, very quickly, especially when they're learning 
the command so that I'm already giving them permission to kind of stand back up again. Mm -hmm. And that way, as they're learning down better, I hold my okay longer. And then it turns into you stay in the down position until I've asked you to do something else or I've let you know that it's it's okay for you to move into something different. Um, sometimes people will teach that down and they don't give any kind of indication that the behavior is over. And as a result, their dog will lay down and immediately pop back up. So <laughs> That's a really great, yes, very great tip. Get that release word in there as soon as possible because you know they're going to get up anyway. Once your dog is consistently doing down with a treat um, and you've added the verbal cue, of course, you just practice, practice, practice. And you're going to do this in different environments, right? We always say start somewhere easy and then go somewhere more distracting. But there is something that I want to that I want to touch on. Have you ever seen this? Because I have seen this so much. You ask people if their dog knows how to, how to go down and they're like, yep. And then they proceed to find a treat somewhere because they need the treat. And then they take the treat and they slowly start bending over and they're like, down <laughs> and they're bent all the way over with the treat on the ground and their dog yeah. is looking at them and then eventually the dog's like Ugh, and it lays down against the treat have you ever seen yes. that and the human will almost always stand up very very slowly <laughs> like they're the down is super precarious like any yeah. sudden <laughs> movements and this dog is gonna shoot right back up again <laughs> Yeah. And so my response is usually like, do you, is that the most comfortable way for you to ask for a down? Do you think, you know, bending down and touching the floor every single time you want to be able to ask your dog for a down while you are standing straight up like a normal human being. And it might yeah, not be or like sitting on the couch or sitting at the kitchen table or whatever it happens yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we get stuck, right? Because in the beginning, we do need to bend down. We do need to have that treat. And we do need to have that lure. And that's what works. But if you don't phase out of those things for the next 10, 15 years of your dog's life, you're going to be, you know, sticking your butt in the air every time you want your dog to go down. Yeah. Through all of this, when we're talking about this, these down behaviors and the sits and all these things, it's also important to recognize that you're creating you're kind of creating the lexicon. You're creating the list of vocabulary that you have in order to have a relationship with your dog. So you can ask them for things and communicate things with them. And like, you know, even silly things like, um, okay, sit for a second. Like you can actually say it in a full sentence, but because you've taught them the word sit, that they're able to kind of engage with you in a more meaningful way. So taking the time to teach these exactly as you would like them to look really means that you're you're kind of creating definitions for your dog that are super, super clear. And as Brene Brown would say, clear is kind. We always want to be as clear as we can be. Would you mind going through just kind of how, what steps do you go through so that you're not always relying on having that treat and always relying on having that lure? Yeah. So at first, you give a treat every single time a behavior happens because the dog is learning the behavior and they need to be told like, yes, that's it. Yes, you did it. Yep, you've got it. Once it's clear that your word or your cue or your signal or your command or whatever you want to say results in that behavior, you would 
start to like you don't need to lure as often because the dog has figured out that the word means the behavior then you can give a treat every second time you do it then you can give a treat every third time you do it then you can just randomly do little training sessions where you might not give them a treat this time but the next time you give them a treat or you have your treats on you but they might get one or two on a walk instead of getting one every time they do something you ask them to do and this is, it's something called intermittent reinforcement, but essentially it's just, there's always the possibility and it's the strongest way to continue a behavior going is just them knowing that maybe I'll get a treat, but regardless, I'm going to take the chance by doing the behavior because that maybe is really, really powerful. Right. I think that's the concept that casinos are built on essentially, right? Yeah. Because you go, you gamble because you're like, Maybe I'll get a jackpot. Oh, didn't get it that time. I'm going to try again. Here comes the jackpot. No, I didn't get it. That and then you get the jackpot and you're like, that was amazing. I'm going to try super hard to get the jackpot again. And that's what keeps your dog trying moving forward when you are doing the uh, intermittent reinforcements. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you can do that with the word the words good girl, good dog, good puppy, good whatever, too, where you kind of teach them that that word is almost the same thing as a treat. And sometimes that word means a treat. And so they're going to perk up and be excited by it. So, yeah, humans are just as just as easily <laughs> taught to do things based on intermittent reinforcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely casinos or even something silly like they've been leaving um, cookies and muffins in the staff room on occasion. And now I have turned walking through the staff rooms into part of my routine to check for the possibilities of cookies or muffins. <laughs> and they're not always there, but I'm always checking. So. Right, right. <laughs> yep. Do we want to just quick, quickly review the three Ds? Let's do it. Okay. So what are the three Ds again? There's distance. Distraction. Uh -huh. And duration. So... Um, if you listen to our sit episode, we talk about how you can get your dog to work with these three Ds. So um, distance is the distance between you and your dog when you're asking for them to do something. So it's nice to be able to ask your dog for a down, even if you're not right there, right in front of them. Duration is the length of time they uh, remain in the down before they get up. And that's where that strategy that I'd mentioned, where you use the release word right away when they're first learning it, but then you lengthen the period of time before you give the release word can be really helpful. And the last E is, of course, distraction. So like we said, start in a quiet place in your home and move to more busy, distracting places. And so the three Ds are always things that you can do to sort of build off of behavior once you've taught it and once they know it to get the, the dream behavior, right? Um, so definitely work really hard on the downs and then start implementing those three D's and yeah, you can actually, you can actually impress a lot of people with, uh, with a really strong down. Okay. You can absolutely impress people. They definitely think it is very cool when you ask your dog to stay down and they just like, they just chill out. It looks so cool. It's just, and when you do it in the way that we're describing, the dog is actually quite relaxed as well because they're like, oh, you just want me to hang out here that's cool i'll hang out here yeah people are like what my dog doesn't do that if i want the minute down i have to go get a wiener from the fridge and just stick it in their nose and have to bend down on the floor 
<laughs> and stay in that position for like five minutes until they decide they want to go down. That's how we do it. Well, and that's the other. So <laughs> just in case there are people listening that have to operate that way because that's the way that their dog has learned. Your dog's not done learning. Just like you can learn how to do something differently. Your dog can learn to do it differently. So for right now, you're like, but I do have to go get the wiener from the fridge and do the five minute down. Okay. This so? is called Caitlin Damage Control. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people have these, like, they're like, well, now my dog does this. And that's the way my dog is going to be forever. Yes. And it's just... Okay, first of all, Eeyore, that's not the way it's going to be. You absolutely have some say in this. But, um, like, my dog was a barker. He was so, so chatty all the time. All the time. And when he was 10, I taught him how to speak and be quiet on command. 10! Like, it took... Like, that was when I finally structured it well enough and got the time to figure it out and actually worked to make it happen. But it took a long time for me to, like realized that it was enough of an inconvenience that I needed to work on it. And he very quickly learned at 10. So, like, there's lots of time to, to, to implement these and try them now. Absolutely. That, that's such a myth. Old dogs can't learn new tricks. We should dispel, we should do a myth dispelling episode. Yeah, that sounds like there's fun. There's so many. But, yeah, anyway. So, yes, absolutely. You're not done learning. Your dog's not done learning at any point. You can always... You can always fix it, make it better, and improve. We hope that you can join us again in two weeks when we release our next episode, where we'll be discussing everything from training tips to dog shenanigans, anything really dog-related that may help you in your journey to making your relationship with your dog stronger. Questions, comments, hilarious dog stories you want to share? email us at sitstaydownload at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Sit, Stay, Download. Yeah.